0: Welcome to episode 15 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 2. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories. Because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to all my listeners and especially to my supporters. Listeners can support this podcast by signing up for a small monthly subscription for an amount of your choice. This you can do by clicking on the anchor.fm link in the show notes, and then clicking the support button with the dollar sign on it. Listeners, today we will continue to talk about mental health, since May is the official month for mental health awareness. In the last episode, we spoke to 20-year-old Whitley, who spoke to us about her severe depression resulting from date abuse and date rape. Today, we are going to talk about burnout. Burnout. Burnout is another major cause for depression and anxiety. Deloitte conducted an external survey of 1,000 full-time corporate professionals to understand the causes of impact of employee burnout. 77% of those who were surveyed have experienced burnout at their current jobs. That's three out of four people. They said that the biggest drivers of employee burnout are unrealistic deadlines lack of support or recognition from leadership, and working long hours or on weekends. Are you surprised? Honestly, I was not surprised by the reasons for burnout, but I was shocked by the stats of three out of four employees experiencing burnout. Our guest for for today is going to help us understand more about burnout. Everyone, let's welcome Anna Taddeir. Hello Anna and welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is an honor to have you on the show. Hi Hamida, thank you so much for having me. Anna, can you start us off by telling a little bit about yourself to the audience?
1: Yes, my name is Anna Tider. I am Croatian originally. I am also an Austrian. I am a book author. I published two memoirs in Croatia and Germany and Austria. And in the meantime, I became a podcaster. I just launched a podcast called Thank You, Mama, in which I interview women from all around the world about the most valuable lessons they learned from their mothers. And I'm so excited about it. It's full of beautiful, beautiful stories. Thank you for being my guest.
0: (laughs) Actually, it was fun talking about what I learned from my mama because after too many years, I actually was able to list it all and... Just by listing it and putting it on paper, there was so much gratitude that came out of it. So thank you for having me on the show also. But Anna, you did say that you migrated from Croatia to Vienna because of a war in Croatia. So you went from a communist regime to a capitalistic regime. Can you tell us the story behind that and also how that transition happened for you?
1: I was born back then in Yugoslavia, you know, which doesn't exist anymore. I was born in Zagreb, Croatia, and I grew up there under President Tito. Yugoslavia was a very, very interesting country because Tito created, after Second World War, this regime that was balancing between East and West and communism and capitalism. It was a neutral country, and he tried to marry... The best of communism and capitalism into a country, which ended up having some good and some not so good good results. In 89, when the Berlin Wall fell, Yugoslavia had the first democratic elections, and with this, the country started slowly falling apart. Yugoslavia was a country that was put together from six different republics, which are six different now nations of very different cultures, mentalities, different languages, even different religions. So with this fall of communism, the republics felt they wanted to strive towards their independence. And this is how the war started. Serbia attacked Croatia, I think it was 1990. And the war slowly crept into our lives. It started happening in distant parts of Croatia. It was already then quite bloody and horrendous, but we felt safe in the capital and did not think it will ever reach us. And then one sunny, beautiful, peaceful Sunday afternoon, we had our first air raid, which I really do not wish for anybody in this world to experience. When you hear that siren howl, and know that you're about to be bombarded I tell you COVID this experience with COVID is nothing compared to that oh, wow. so my how mom how old were you
0: at the time
1: I was 17 I see so we my mom and I collected the most valuable things and ran into in, in the basement and spent that first era it was I would say whole afternoon and evening long until they let us out the the fighter jet started flying over our heads and even that sound is you you really do not ever want to hear that the house is shaking when a fighter jet flies low ready to bombard like everything your life shakes everything shakes so when we were allowed to leave we decided to leave the country and at that stage my dad had already lived in Vienna Austria my parents separated nine years before then and he moved to Austria so my mom's idea and my idea was let's pack our things and go and stay with my dad for a few days. We were sure this is just going to last a few days and things will be go back to normal and we'll go back. Right. And so we packed tiny little bags and left thinking we we're leaving for a few days. And that was 1991 and I never returned. I stayed in Austria for next... 21 years, and then I moved to United States eight years ago. So you never went back to see your home? and never went back for your stuff? You just... I, I did. The war lasted for another four years. So it took quite a while for us to feel comfortable going back. But thankfully, our home was not destroyed and we did go back. But it, it was a great lesson on how unimportant things are, you know, because we literally left everything and started a new life in Vienna not knowing we are starting a new life. And in a way, I repeated this when I moved to Los Angeles to live with my husband. This was a, a beautiful experience because it was for love. And I thought, I'm just going to go to Los Angeles to see how this works out. And took one suitcase and put all my things in, in the basement, you know, released my apartment and just went. And it's been, what, almost 10 years. I started a new life for the second time out of one suitcase. But I think it's beautiful to learn how unimportant things really are. You know, we like to tend to cling to things. Yeah.
0: And like you said, COVID 19 is here, but that too will soon be over. And we'll just look back and hopefully think about all of the good things that came out of it.
1: Yes. Yes. And I got a little upset when people were saying, this is a war. We're in a war. It's just as bad as a war. And it's not. It's not. With all my due respect towards, all the doctors and all the people that work in hospitals, at least they don't have bombs flying on them while they're saving lives. You know, it's not a war. It's a horrible, horrible thing that's going on. Yeah. But we should be grateful that we are not in a war. Basically,
0: yeah. I, I, I hear you, Anna. And so now tell us, what is your story?
1: Well, my story is then I moved to Vienna and this is where I've finished the last two years of my high school and had to choose what I was going to study. And I come from a a family of artists and very successful artists, true artists. My mom was a very successful film actress, but also a visual artist and awarded both for her arts and for her acting. And my father is an architect and the awards never ended pouring on him. And so it was always, since I was a child, it was always taken for granted that I'm going to follow these footsteps, you know. And all my teachers at school always pushed me towards creative things. And it was kind of, this is who I was supposed to be. And when I was in Vienna with this new life and a feeling that I have a gajillion of possibilities and I was so grateful that I was not in a war and that I am allowed to be in this peaceful, beautiful, abundant country and choose my future that I decided very consciously to not follow my parents' footsteps and study marketing management instead, to a huge shock of my parents who always always respected and supported me in all my decisions but did try to discuss this with me (laughs) they're like why would you want to go do that you know it's not who you are but i remember telling my mom i grew up looking watching you as a starving artist, and I want to earn money. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a starving artist. And she always repeated it back to me. She found it very amusing. (laughs) So I studied my marketing management, my BA in marketing management. And then I worked at the United Nations in Vienna for four years while doing my MBA. And then I uh, started working at uh, Austria's largest mobile phone network and this is the times when mobile phones just started mm-hmm. and this company was quite incredible because back then you had that startup feeling but also these companies were like money printing machines you know? <laughs> there was so much money and we were inventing these new products and new mobile phones and it was very 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 exciting I worked there for another eight years. And I worked myself up from a project manager into a specialist for strategic market planning for international markets which I loved. Pretty long title. (laughs) Yeah. I I had this beautiful helicopter view over all our, because in the meantime, the company acquired six other companies in the region. Mm -hmm. One of them was Croatia. So we had companies in in ex-Yugoslavian countries. And my job was to make a strategic plan for what products and services should be launched in which market. And I loved it. I loved being in touch with these international product managers. And the job itself was very fun for me. But I did not do well in a corporate world. I did not do well in these big offices with all these people with the strict rules. I did not do well with being stuck in one place as I'm learning again now during COVID, just being stuck in this big office from dawn till dusk, it started draining me a lot. And then at one point I realized I'm not doing so well I got a little depressed and unmotivated. And I, I read somewhere about burnout. And I contacted the person who wrote this article, who was a psychiatrist specialist in burnout. And I said, I'm curious, this is what I'm going through. What would you say about what I'm experiencing? And he said, you're experiencing a beginning stage of burnout. You need to Change things in your life. You know, like something's not working for you. Mm -hmm. You need to come into therapy or change things. And this is where I decided that I will try finding something more creative. And I got a job at an advertising agency at Ogilvy and Mather, which was also one of the world's largest advertising agencies, thinking this is going to refresh me. But (laughs) funnily enough, the job in an advertising agency was less creative. Then my strategic market planning job at a mobile phone company. Because in the advertising agency, I was really just an account manager and not I, I was not creative. I, I found that quite dull and I was very envious of people who were creative. They were totally separated, a creative team from us. So
0: you pretty much were on the business side
1: and not on yes. the creating content side. Yes. This is funny because I knew nothing about uh, advertising. I applied for a junior... Copywriter mm-hmm. and, then they, and then the head of HR invited me for an interview, and she looked at me, and she's like, "Is this serious? <laughs> she was like, "What are you thinking? You have an MBA, you have all this experience. you have never been a copywriter, or a writer, or anything. What is going on?" she's like, "I, I want to have you." She gave me a completely different job, but on the business side, and I was not aware yet that no, I don't want to go on a business side. I didn't have that self-awareness yet to to reject that. So here I am in the advertising agency. And what happened in the meantime is that I lived in a very, very fun apartment building with small apartments for mostly single people. Mm -hmm. And the apartment building was filled with a lot of very fun, young, single people. And we had some very fun and amazing stories in this. We all became friends. We're still like a family. Okay. And one day we were talking about, do you remember this and that? And somebody said, we should write this down so we don't forget. And that evening I went home and I was sitting at home and I thought, I'll just write it down, you know? So I took my fountain pen and I still remember so vividly the color of, my black ink when I wrote the first letter. And I started writing the stories down and I had so much fun writing it. And then I thought Christmas is coming. I'm going to do little booklets where I write these stories and print our stories with our pictures. And I did that and everybody loved it so much. And I couldn't stop writing. I completely changed my life. I used to be very social and I would go out a lot and go shopping and traveling and this and that. And once I started writing, I couldn't wait to come home after work and sit down and write. I would spend evenings and weekends and just write. And after a year, I finished a manuscript of like 500, 600 pages. And I put it in my drawer thinking this was just self-therapy for me in a way. It just felt good. And I put all my, these memories on this paper and this is it and put it in a drawer. What was that book about? These were short stories about... It was like a Viennese sex in the city. <laughs> That's what it this turned day. into. It's called From Barbie to Vibrator. <laughs> And and it's basically a female coming-of-age story, you know? It's a very creative title as well. (laughs) And so here I am in in the advertising agency, and I had this manuscript in my drawer. And my friends who read it were really trying to push me to send it to publishers. I never thought I would be a writer. It was never a a thought for me. And then one Monday morning my burnout really kicked in. I sat into my car to drive off to work and I started crying and I could not stop crying for three days. And the only thing that came out of me was I can't. I couldn't say anything else, but I can't. And I went and saw my family medicine doctor. And he said, this is depression. You need to take antidepressants. And I said, I, I'm not a depressive person. I don't feel this is depression. I feel tired. I feel like I need a very, very long break from everything. I just need to somehow gather my strength back. And he sent me to a psychiatrist and she also claimed it's depression and I should take antidepressants. And it's interesting, I had a very strong aversion towards antidepressants because of two things. First, I really felt like I'm just exhausted. I'm not depressed. I'm just tired from everything, from working so hard. And the second thing was, my question was, what happens when I want to stop taking these things? Because if I need these tablets to feel like myself like normal again, how do I ever stop taking them if I don't change anything in my life? And they didn't have an answer for that. And and so I basically went on a sick leave and here it is, hello Europe, <laughs> where when you are having problems like this, you go on a sick leave that can last up to two months or so. I went on a sick leave and started trying to figure it all out. First, I remember I slept for three weeks. Like I slept day and night. I just slept. And then I just realized I've never been as happy as when I was writing. I I, I just felt that writing made me so happy and that I finally burned out at this job because now now I could compare what it means when you spend time doing something that fulfills you and makes you so happy and what it means when you spend time doing something. That just drains your energy.
0: So, uh, I'm actually very happy that we are talking about your burnout versus depression because remember, this is the month of May and it is the official mental health awareness month. And I like the contrast that you're making between burnout and depression. What I'm hearing from you is you can be burned out and still not be in depression. And I'm just bringing that out because that is a good contrast that you're making there. But
1: go on. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you know what? I had a friend who also burned out and she did take antidepressants and she went back to her job and she burned out again. We spoke a lot about this. She couldn't get off antidepressants. She could not. It was like a drug. She tried with professional help lowering the dose and getting off them and she couldn't. Okay, but that's another story. What I think is really important with burnout is that you burn out when you invest a lot of energy into something that you absolutely do not identify with or that that doesn't bring any fulfillment. There are other industries where people work day and night and work a lot, but do not burn out because they do get some kind of fulfillment out of what they do. I think burnout for me is absolutely a proof that you're on a wrong path. And this is, now we're coming to the lesson. Yes, yes, please, yeah. yeah, Tell us what you learned out of this whole experience as a life lesson. And it's such an important lesson because once I realized that there is something else out there for me that just makes me so happy, it showed to me, that I'm on the wrong path, that this is not where, where I should be going. Of course, I could have continued, you know, but I would have been miserable. And I can't promise I wouldn't have ended really depressed or or I would start getting physically sick if I just continued on the same road. So what I did is after after being on this long sick leave... I decided to to quit my job my boss was like okay you need to come back we need you or if you don't want to come back you need to tell us so we can get somebody else And this was such a hard decision because of this experience of having grown up in communism and having had this opportunity to escape a war and start this new life in this beautiful new country, and then decide and have the support of my parents to go this way and then invest so much into it through studies and my MBA and all the work I've I've done until now to get where I was, to just throw that away was really 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 very hard and i had a beautiful salary i had a good life i was traveling with this and here i was having absolutely no idea how i was going to support myself writing but i i just knew i can't go back and my mom was extremely supportive like always in this situation my father was more rational and he's like you are you insane you know (laughs) you cannot and i remember signing my resignation and sending it in and how huge that felt that must and be tough though it was so tough was it, it was, bittersweet it was scary happy. it was like standing i literally it was like standing on a very very high cliff and having this beautiful turquoise ocean under you and being like i will either jump and break my neck Or I'll jump and swim in this beautiful turquoise water, you know, this is what it was. I really like that analogy. Very nice. (laughs) So I jumped and the ocean opened up and it just held me up. It was crazy what started happening. With the push of my friends, I decided to try and get the book published. And then I decided to send it first to the biggest publishers and then slowly go down I printed a list of all the publishers and I thought okay I'll get rejected from the first I don't know 50 publishers so I'll just start from the big one and I sent the book in and a few days later they called me and were like we love this can we publish it it was crazy i was so ready to struggle with this Mm -hmm. i read all this literature how how to get published and get agents and it's so hard and you know jk rowling went through like 38 submissions to get harry Potter published and here i am sending this thing and the biggest most important publishers like we love this and that happened in croatia and that repeated in austria And then I wrote some, not even articles, some thoughts about social media just for myself. And I thought I'm going to send this to the Austrian newspaper. And maybe I could write for them at one point. So I send them this little, I don't even dare calling it an article. It just threw these thoughts on a piece of paper and send it to the editor and was like, maybe we could, you know, meet and we could talk about if I could write for you. And she writes back a few minutes later and is like, I love this. Can I publish it in the next issue? And things like this started happening. It was amazing. It was like... I chose this and somehow the universe was just opening all the doors for me. And that continued. It continued with my other book I wrote in 2007 with the financial crisis and everybody talking about how communism is dead and capitalism is dead and we don't have an alternative. I thought we did have an alternative and this was Yugoslavia, which I grew up in. So I wrote this Essay which I sent to the largest Austrian newspaper about this, and they immediately said, Yes, let's publish this. And this got such amazing feedback from like e- emails and letters from readers. And then my publisher was immediately like, This is a book, you have to write this. So, this the second book just fell into my lap. Then I applied with this book proposal to, to the Austrian uh, Ministry of Culture for a grant. And I applied for the biggest grant that exists, which, you know, you have have to be already very successful. So I wrote this application and asked my publisher to read it. And I'll never forget how he started laughing. He read it and he burst out laughing. And he's like, Anna, I'm so sorry, I'm laughing. But this is so different from anything people ever write. Like, obviously, I had no idea what I was doing. And he's like, you know, just send it in. It's very original. But be aware that To get this big grant, you're supposed to get all the tiny little ones before become a little more established. I'm like, whatever, I'll just send it in. Mm -hmm. A few months later, I get a letter from Ministry of Culture. On my birthday, I get this envelope. I open it, and they're basically like, we are paying you one year of life expenses to write this book. Amazing. What a fascinating story. Amazing. And then I, I started writing this book. I am a retired ballerina and for years i was practicing at home i was doing a dvd workout from new york city ballet and doing this one day with my mom and she's like you love doing this why don't you become certified and start teaching that and i was like "Pooh, never thought about this i don't even know if they certify people she's like go to your computer Figure it out. I went, I found that they do offer certification trainings. A few months later, I applied. They said yes. And basically, with this grant in my pocket, I went to New York City to get certified to become a New York City Ballet Workout instructor. It was just amazing. And this is when I met my husband.
0: Wow. and this talk is why the universe really <laughs>
1: coming together for you but you know it's beautiful when you tap into and so many of the spiritual you know books and spiritual things talk about it and it sounds very kitschy, but i'm really a proof that when you tap into that that who you really are and what your life really is about the universe really supports you.
0: <laughs> no, I am a firm believer of it, Anna, So you will not hear any arguments from me about that. And I agree that you are proof of that. I have so many stories from my life that show exactly that. But I do want to ask you this question. For those out there who feel the burnout in their professional lives, what advice would you
1: give them I would tell them to most of all be gentle with themselves we ask too much of ourselves and i think people who get burned out are the ones who are very uh, driven and want to achieve and prove a lot and exactly these people are the people who should learn how to become more gentle with themselves i became a firm believer in meditation I believe that saved me from more serious consequences during my burnout. Parallel to that corporate job, I started practicing Tai Chi, which I never stopped. I think it's important to meet yourself, which you can only do in meditation, so that you can be gentle to yourself and ask yourself, what doesn't work? And if it doesn't work, have the courage to change it. It's so important to make space for yourself to get the rest you need. And I know that I'm lucky because writing fell in my lab like writing chose me and many people experience burnout but don't know what else to do instead they're like yeah I want to leave my job but I have no idea what to do I would maybe even invest into a coach or get help I think the most important decision is this is not working out and I'm gonna change it do not just take drugs and go back into something that does not work and by that you mean medical drugs I know that's what I
0: mean (laughs)
1: or any other drugs should I just get high and go back into what doesn't work (laughs) I loved this conversation
0: Anna thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your life lessons Uh, your story was fascinating and I'm with you if you understand yourself if you meet yourself and you know what you want the universe will make it happen so I'm so happy that the universe made it happen for you But also,
1: I'd like to stress that even when you don't know what you want, knowing what you don't want is the first step. And having the courage to say, no, this is not working. This is not it. And then what you want will find you. Then you'll find it. I I, I like that. Thank you so much, Anna. (laughs) Thank you, Havita.
0: Listeners, burnout is the elephant in the room. You heard the survey. Three out of four people say that they have been burnt out at some point in their professional life are you burnt out? If you are, then you heard what Anna said. Meet yourself. Figure out what is not working and have the courage to change it before it results into something serious like depression. Burnout also has to be tackled from the institutional side. You heard the three drivers from the survey. They are lack of support from leadership, long hours and weekend hours of work, and unreasonable deadlines. Well, those are really bad habits of corporate America and have been for a very long time. It's time to change that. COVID-19 is now an opportunity for everyone and everything to pause, reflect, and reset. I'm sincerely wishing that the decision makers of corporate America are figuring out that this is not working and that they have the courage to change it. This way, we will tackle burnout from both ends of the poll. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will come again with another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be strong, be happy, and be well.